Who's this? Oh, you're an entrepreneur? Oh, you're a real estate investor. Oh, you're trying to learn from those who did it. Well, come into the lab then. Put your white coat on, gloves on, notepad, and let's build y'all. Real estate experiment, what is happening, y'all? Today, I have the pleasure of having my man, Victor Urechek, from dialing in from Gainesville, Florida. If you're listening to this, uh, we are here in the lab with um, uh, Victor. And what's really interesting about Victor, I was talking about this offline, Victor, because, you know, we got, you know, we were just talking offline, getting ready to get the, get the show started. And then I looked and I'm like, hey, man, you're, you know, I, I appreciate you for asking how can I best serve the audience. And, and my answer to you was, uh, listen, but you being a practitioner and experimenter, right, you're a good example of, of what an experimenter is because you have a such diverse background, uh, but then you really doubled down in as being what we call the six-figure house flipper, which is now a brand that you're helping others do the same, but you are a fix and flipper out of Gainesville, Florida. You've done over 20 flips of your goal is to a lot more this year, uh, very ambitious. So that gives you about like one to two a month. So that's right. incredible. We can't wait to get into that. Uh, but at the same time, I looked and I'm like, you know, because our team does the work, they did a homework, they did a little background check, you know, we look, and you actually come from a lot of different, you've tried a lot of different things that appears to me, you know, from the seller financing, long term, short term rental, which I was telling you were a part of. So I got to ask you, first of all, I got to welcome you to the lab for coming into the lab. But then I got to ask you, man, what came first into your yeah. world? No, for sure. And thank, thanks for having me, by the way. But absolutely. Uh, so what, what came first? So I actually did wholesaling first, believe it or not. So I uh, did wholesaling on my first deal. I made about 3000 Second one made about 3500 And the thing is, there's nothing wrong with wholesaling. Um, it's just like, it wasn't like my, my niche. You know, when you start off by saying that, that's trouble. When you say there's nothing wrong with it, but what's the big uh -huh. but? We want to hear it. What is it? Uh, so with the wholesaling, it was always like I was kind of the middleman always. So I'd have to yeah. find a seller, okay, negotiate, negotiate. And then I'd find a cash buyer, like an investor. Like the investor always wants a good deal. So they always like beat me up over the price. And I was always like this middleman. So I had like two parties I had to, to keep promises for. So that I didn't like that too much. And then like the spreads weren't that big. So you have to do lots of volume, you know. Um, so again, made 3000 3500 on the second one, I think you know, the typical wholesale fee is about five grand, maybe seven grand. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But then the thing was like, I would turn it over to these investors and then they would make, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 on the flips. And I was like, that's, that's where I want to be. You yeah. know, I just want to take it down myself. I don't want to have to be this middleman. I just want to, you know, make it happen on my own. And that's, that's kind of how I, you know, doubled down on this. And I tried some other things in the meantime, but just really like really fell in love with the fix and flipping. All right, and just to give our listeners uh, or watchers some context here, because you're 27, so right. you're hella young, um, and right. and you're actually very similar to where you know some of our listeners is you know are you know I talked about this. I actually didn't mention this before, but we're anywhere in the sweet spot between 25 to 44. Mm -hmm. uh, the majority of our, of us in the um, in the and as experimenters. So for you, what was the you know you talked about what you started with, but what was the catalyst to just being able to say, hey, I want to start wholesaling? Is there something that that influenced you because you're 27, you've been doing this for a little bit now? So what was that when what when most kids are still trying to figure out what they're trying to do? How did you know you wanted to even start in real estate? 
Yeah. So I, I realized like what I didn't want to do. And I was kind of, mm. I was working a job back then. It's like three, four years ago. I was a home health administrator, like helping run a little home health company. And that's basically like when someone gets sick, like we'd send like a caretaker or a caregiver or a nurse, you know, to their house just to help them recover. Um, so that's what I was doing. And then I realized like I didn't like the work. Um, yeah. It wasn't that I hated it. It was just like, you know, it just didn't, didn't inspire me. So that was the first part of it. Second part of it, like it wasn't that, uh, it wasn't that lucrative. Like I would, you know, have my bills, make my money, you know, at the end of the month, I have like extra 500 bucks, thousand bucks uh, left over. And I had higher financial goals for myself. So I quickly realized like, wait a second, this, this just isn't working. Like I, I need to do more. I need to make a change or else I'm just going to stay where I'm at. And always had that like little real estate bug, always had that in the back of my head. And the thing was, it was always like, okay, let me do this first thing. And then let me, the next thing after that is going to be real estate. So for the home health, it's like, I'm going to, you know, build my own home health company, sell it. And then I'm going to go into real estate. Oh, that's so interesting. Wait, 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 wait. hold on. I got to stop you there. This is great because the reason I like this is that's how I've always looked as at real estate. Like I'm a big, um, it's funny because there's a lot of people that way it's really, it's, 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 it's important to be clear on how people got into real estate because some people use real estate to preserve wealth. Right. And some people use it as a vehicle. And so uh, like as a, and when I say a vehicle as creating a business within real estate, some have businesses, they sell businesses and then pour in real estate. So I have a business uh, and, and I use that to, you know, pour it into real estate. But for you, you said something interesting. You were thinking, and it's very similar to what I, what I was thinking and into maybe some of what the listeners are, which is our avatar is, is, is business owners, entrepreneurs. So your thinking of building something else and then doing real estate, yeah. what made real estate end up becoming the vehicle? What, like, why did that happen? Yeah, at a certain point, because it was always like me trying to convince others to do real estate. Um, and it's at a certain point, I'm like, I just need to do this thing. Like, I'm just talking about it all the time. And like, I want others to do it. But I was really just projecting my own wants, like projecting what I wanted to do. I wanted to get into it. Um, so at a certain point, I just realized like, hey, I just need to do this because um, it doesn't make sense. Like, OK, I do X and then do Y. Like, why not just do Y? Uh, mm. I just had some like beliefs around the real estate. Oh, wait a second. I need money to do real estate. And that's right. I, I kind of later found out like, well, I mean, you doesn't need to be your own money. Like you need money. It can be other people's money. Uh, it doesn't have to be your own. So it was just kind of some mindset shifts and uh, just realizing like where I was at wasn't making, you know, wasn't getting me where I wanted to go. Got it. So then after that, so what was, you said you started wholesaling yes. uh, and that was more of like, Hey, let me just get my foot in or see if I like it. Or was that just uh, like, did you know you were going to get into flipping or was it more like, let me just get some traction in, in something and then see, see what's next. I'm just, I gotta, I gotta oh, ask really, you what was happening behind the mind. Yeah. It was mostly like, let me, I want to get into real estate. Yeah. I had no clue if I would like wholesaling or not like wholesaling. Um, I just like, Hey, I just want to do this. I basically jumped in and made it happen. And then just realized like, as I get into it, it was like an evolutionary process. Like you, uh, at least for me, like I got into it. I was like, okay, well, um, I like this part of it, this part of it, this part of it, but I don't like this part of it. Like, what can I do to, to improve that? It's like, okay, well, what if I take down my own deals? You know, it's like, mm -hmm. okay, if I take down my own deals that I'm fixing and flipping, like, okay, now I need to solve this problem. Right. Uh, so it's like a lot of self, self-awareness and like self-analysis, like, okay, uh, I like X, Y, and Z. I don't like B. Uh, let me change B. 
Uh, so it was just like a natural progression, basically. Let me ask you, because I, I, it's like it's like you've been doing your homework or something. You're, you're saying all these key things that we always talk about. Like, yeah. uh, first of all, I love how you said evolutionary, because that's it, it is. That's literally what it is. Like, you can't just know that you're you're going to be good at this one thing or even like it. You got to, like, start with one thing and then it'll lead to another. And mm-hmm. us, we call it an experiment. And then you double down on the one that works, which we'll get to in a second, because right. that's where we're here today. But that that self-awareness were you always a where, where did you get the self-awareness from you was it a coach was it reading was it kind of like how did you tap into that because I think that's something that doesn't get talked about often of, of, of being aware we hear it but like what is it what did it look like for you forget the others tell us yeah, what I'd say like it's all of the above just like mentors and like reading and just me and my personality um that's that's part of my background like before all this was school was like you know i went to school for engineering so i think that was Mm. part of it too oh you're an engineer business as a machine like yeah inputting an output if Mm. the the machine is making noise you got to check on the machine and see what's going on yeah for sure it's a choppy process or whatever so is is that sort of like thinking that got me got me where i'm at interesting okay cool so tell us about you know the evolution because i i think you can you talk a little bit about the other stuff that you you stumbled upon when you were doing wholesaling and what was the transition we're gonna get to the we're gonna get to the goods in a second i gotta i gotta i gotta warm you guys up here hold on so what's what's the what was that is there was there a next evolution that came after wholesaling or was there maybe other pieces as well that came prior like you i see there's seller financing long-term rentals like what where where did that fall into the evolution process yeah, sure. So, so went from the two wholesale deals. And then for the third one, basically what happened was like, okay, I, I found this good deal. Um, what I thought was a good deal. I couldn't wholesale it. I couldn't find any buyers. And this was like 2018 in, in Gainesville. So it wasn't really that much developed as a market. Mm. So a lot of people wanted home run deals. They want like, you know, I want to you know, buy 60 cents on the dollar, which now people typically fall like 70%. Well, we can get into all of that. But they wanted a home run deals like they're going to make, you know, 50 grand plus on this little little uh, house flip. And uh, I basically decided like, OK, well, I can't find a buyer because uh, the price is too off. Like, what if I just take it down myself? And mm. then that's basically what I did. I didn't have any money. I had like maybe like a low 500 credit score, maybe a couple thousand in the bank. And uh, basically what I did, found a money partner. They put in the money to buy it, to fix it up, to sell it. And then I would like help run, manage the project and find the deal, obviously. And then we split the profit. Um, so that's, that's like the next evolution. Like, okay, I got this good deal and I don't want to let the seller down. So let me, you know, figure out something else. Um, then I'm after sorry. that, yeah, after the flip, I tried some other stuff. I tried like the burr, I tried like the, the short-term rental. Um, but that was after I got a little more, a little more, uh, momentum with the flipping, you know, got two, three, you know, flips under the belt. Then it was like, okay, well, let's try this other stuff. And then the other stuff is fine, but just like, Hey, let's just stick to the flipping. Cause that's really working. Um, and just you know, continue to make it happen. That's key right there, working. There's a, the, I'm going to get to that in a second, but uh, partner. I know I was big on bigger pockets when I first started doing mm-hmm. my own low masterminds and meetups and stuff like that and kind of uh, foster some relationships. Uh, yeah. to, a, to somebody else who's listening, how did you find that first partner um, in, in, to, to, to be able to kind of pull on that first, uh, on that first deal? Yeah, well, I think folks would be, um pleasantly surprised like within their own network like Mm -hmm. friends and family and like just extended network like how many people have 
uh, money sitting in the bank and they don't know what to do with it or they want to put it to work. They're not satisfied with like 0.1% returns sitting in the bank. They want to you know, put it actively to use. And a lot of people are interested in real estate. They just don't know how to get started. So if you can be that vehicle, like, hey, I've got this great deal. Hey, I want to you know, make this happen. Let's partner on this together. You'd be surprised how many folks are willing to go with you, you know, are willing to invest with you. And then if you could show them the deal, like, hey, this is the deal. This is how much we're buying it for. This is how much we need to put into it. This is how much we can sell it for. Um, like, hey, this is your portion. You're kind of selling the benefit. I'm like, hey, you know, invest in this deal and you can make 15K or you can make 20K would be your portion. And the, the, you'll see like the, the wheels are going to start turning like, okay, do I want to keep it in the bank or do I want to, you know, put it in this uh, asset, which is real estate and it's shown to be, you know, secure and it's tangible and it's, you know, it's something they can use their money with. And then obviously they know you on some level. So it's like, okay, well, I trust this person on some level and, um, you know, just want to make it happen. I love that because you're touching on a lot of important things that, Hey, it's the numbers you talked about. You have to lead with the results, right? Kind of show, hey, this is, you know, people are thinking, what can you, what can this do for me, right? And right. so being able to kind of show them that transformation is key. I love you said that. And then you said trust, which AKA we talk about branding, right? So, right. and branding really is, it's so interesting. I had a gentleman stepping in the lab tell me that branding is what people are saying when you're not around in the room. I was like, oh, interesting. I never really thought of it that way, right? Um, versus marketing is more like like active offensive, like, you know, hey, this is this is what you're telling people. Um, so I thought that was interesting. So now that you have this little nugget as well of hindsight is 2020, like what did you think was was strong about your branding of, you know, was it just your work ethic? Was it just, hey, you know, this kid's out here, he, he he's taking the steps to kind of show you know, take the initiative. Like, what do you think about your branding helped so that way someone who's listening might be like, oh, okay, interesting. This is how I might be able to kind of touch on my branding uh, so that someone can have trust in to instill in, in my next project or, or have the trust that I'll be a good partner. Yeah. I think it's a lot of the basics, like showing up on time, like doing what you're saying you're going to do, um, like clear communication, stuff like that. Like even the basics are really key. Like if you're showing up late and like you go leave promises unfulfilled and like, you know, you're just not easy to work with. Like that's, that's a tough base to like, even if you have the best brand in the world, like that's really hard to recover from. Uh, so a lot of those basics are, is key. And then I would say just like the numbers on the deal, um, just like proving like if you get a good enough deal, there's people are going to throw money at you to get a hap to make it happen. Um, and the numbers should speak for themselves basically. Because uh, if you know if, if the numbers work, the numbers work. So that's that's kind of how I look at. It. Like yes, there's a component of me and making it happen. There's also the component of the deal. So even if if uh, Victor falls out, if I fall out and this isn't a deal, like at least I got this great project. You know, like if you're able to buy a house for let's say half off, like okay, well the guy who brought me the house, like yes, he's important, but it's also like I got this you know house that's half half off. So even if you mess everything up, like you can still you know still make money off of it. Awesome, and and I know there's a. Uh... Uh, just to, so it doesn't slip through the cracks you talk about you know it doesn't matter if you have the best brand in the world uh, that is your brand being on time it's all the little unsexy things yes. that's what success is like it's the little things of like oh i said i was going to do this with victor and send him an email i'm going to send him an email mm -hmm. um i think that doesn't get as much attention because you know people are looking at the you know little 
the, the front end stuff, not the back end. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you have an interesting story and I don't know, you know, I, I always like to ask because things move so quickly. People can have deals in the pipeline going while they're on the air, but I know that you have a significant flip that you had uh, that was uh, significantly larger and it didn't necessarily look like that. It's funny. We talk about front end and back end. It yeah. didn't look like what it turned out. You want to talk about that? So give us some context as to what a really good flip might look like and to build on that. And I'll follow up because I'm double stacking on the question here. But you did talk about the importance of making sure the numbers are still a like a one uh, for that investor. So talk to us, you know, walk us through that, maybe that that specific deal and then how you look at other deals to, to give us some context as a flipper in your market as to how you're analyzing these and how you know that, oh, this is something I got to pull the trigger on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so happy to get into that specific deal. Um, I think the biggest, the takeaway is like, and I'll, I'll reiterate the story and the, the lesson, but the biggest thing is like, trust your numbers and trust yourself. Mm. Um, so that's it. So basically, as you mentioned, so I did about 20 flips last year, 30 flips this year is the goal I'm currently on track for that, which is great. Uh, one that. of the flips we did this year, um, basically we sourced the deal. Uh, we were going to take it down. It was in, it was in decent shape. It was more outdated more than anything and need like a new, it was just a normal house and need a new roof, need like a new HVAC system, like kitchen, flooring, paint, um, just like, you know, just basic normal stuff. So, uh, so we bought the house. Uh, about a week into it, like there was this like serious mold problem that we kind of, um, mm. I don't know if we overlooked it, but for some reason, like it became an issue like a week or so into it. Like we we're trying to clear out the place. And I was like, oh, this mold is pretty bad. Um, and the the neighbor uh, kind of scared us on the deal where he was like, he was actually interesting enough competing with us when we were trying to buy it. Like he was also uh, trying to buy it and trying to outbid us and all that good stuff. Um, and he kind of scared us. He's a mold remediation guy. He's like, Hey, there's mold in there. Um, that's going to be really expensive to fix. That's going to be really expensive to take care of. And we're like, Oh shoot, this isn't good. You know, we're, we're dealing with this mold stuff and we don't know what type of mold it is. It might be expensive. He gave us a quote for like 25 grand to, to fix it up, uh, Yeesh. just for the mold remediation. I'm like, Oh shoot, this isn't good. At that point, we almost, you know, like almost sold it to him. Like, Hey, we'll just take this, sell this place, break even, uh, we just want to get rid of it. We don't want to deal with this mold. We don't want to deal with this, all these issues. Um, Mind luckily, you, this is coming from the mold specialist? Correct, yeah. Interesting. Correct. I, I want to see if that comes back full circle. Just yeah, no, for sure. So uh, basically, luckily, he said no. So as we were like, before we were trying to bid for the same place, like he was trying to trying to buy it from us. And then uh, after we closed on it and owned it for a week or two, we asked him like, hey, would you buy this place from us for like basically break even? He said no. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Looking back, Thank goodness we didn't do it. Uh, so basically what happened, we actually got a couple more quotes. Another quote came in like for 15 grand. And then we grabbed someone else from like our network in terms of referral. And he was like eight grand and he got it all done. It's 8,000. Uh, so we continue with the renovation, got it all fixed up. Uh, ended up being our best deal ever. We made about 64,000 net profit. So it's after all expenses, but before taxes, we had 64,000 net. And I'm glad that we did. Absolutely glad that we did. We, you know, got the got the deal done and made it happen. And uh, that guy, actually, the Molder mediator, just to bring it full circle, like you mentioned, like he saw it once we had it all done in stage. He's like, yeah, this is a really nice place. You guys did a really good job. Um, so that's the again. So like, trust yourself and trust your numbers. Like even if we paid 25 grand for Molder mediation, like we still would have made 40 grand net, which is huge. That's mm. the first thing. And then the second thing is we we kind of let fear overtake it. 
Uh, we kind of were listening to other people instead of listening to ourselves. Um, so you just got to really trust yourself. Like once you're in it, like trust the entire process and then uh, just make it happen. Uh, you can always look back like, okay, uh, was there a mistake in my process? You can fix the process and then you can see the results using that process moving forward. But you don't want to like scare yourself and like change things mid, um, you know, mid, mid tempo or like in the middle of everything and mess things up. What's a, what's an example? So this is a good example, actually, because you, you know, I know you started by saying the HVAC, the roof, etc. Is there, you know, a, when you're doing, you know, about a dozen a year or much more, I'm so sorry, I'm trying to do the math in my head. We're talking about 20, you're going to 30. So you're doing more than a dozen. But mm -hmm. um, when you're doing that kind of volume, uh, and you're looking at a lot of numbers, um, how are you, how do you assess that? Okay, this is the, the good deal. Because you, you said, right, that this was even with the 25k, what is it that you're looking at? You're looking at how you're going to um, fix it the same as other properties with the same material? Is there something that you go to that gives you kind of a, um, a reference point that, okay, this is good, even with all these nuances that may show up? Like, what is it tactically that you can kind of tell us when you're going yeah. into this yeah so it's really like knowing a good deal really comes down to three numbers it's like what are you buying it for what are you putting into it like repairs or renovation mm -hmm. what are you going to sell it for like arv yeah. uh, so that's really all you have to look at because when they're when you're flipping a house there's a million variables like okay what's the bedroom bathroom what's the square footage what's the neighborhood what's the school district you know is it a is it a dirt road is it a paved road like there's, there's a million variables uh so just to make it as simple as possible just just break it down to three numbers um, so that's what I recommend. And the other thing with that, I do what's called 70% rule. Uh, so it's 70% ARV, like 70% what you can sell it for minus repairs. And that's a good deal. Um, so that's typically how I look at it. So it's just, it's all the numbers because that nicely, you know, nicely makes it uh, much easier to deal with and think about versus like all these different, all these different variables, all these different things to think through. Uh, so just 70% rule is what I'd. We'll be right back. What, I appreciate that, Victor. What what makes you back out of a deal? Uh, because I, I'm assuming that with the information that we have now in the on the internet, yeah. uh, obviously there's, you got to walk the property if you're you're still doing that yourself or someone on your team. Um, I'm assuming that with these three things, you can pretty much do a, an assessment, kind of you know, from a distance per se, even or even an online assessment when you get to on site or maybe your process is completely different. So maybe you can stop me. What makes you say, no, nah, hell no. Nah. Nope. Doesn't it look right. We're not, we're not doing this. What is one thing that you, you, you or one or several things that you feel that are, are no no's for you? Um, I think just the numbers is the biggest thing. Cause it all goes into the numbers. So let's give an example. So let's say like layout, like it's a weird layout. Like you can fix for anything when it comes to flipping or real estate or anything like that. You can fix anything. It's like, what's the dollar amount to fix it? Mm. Like, what's the price tag to fix this problem? And like, it's like, and I think of it like, okay, what are the problems? Like, okay, new roof. Like how much does a new roof cost? Okay, that's problems fixed. How much does a new HVAC cost? Okay, that problem's fixed. So you're just like going down a checklist of problems and fixing all of them. So one of the things that's kind of tricky is layout. Uh, Cause you can like change walls and like change, you know, change the layout and like add, add walls, remove walls. Uh, but that's pretty expensive. So that just would affect like the repair budget. And I've had to back out of deals for that reason before, like the layout's weird. And it's like, well, I can't really do much with this. If I want to sell it and fix it up and, you know, fix it up and flip it. 
that story is a little bit different for like rentals or you know yeah. short term and that sort of stuff. But for me, like sometimes layout can be a deal killer. Um, so that's what I really look at. But it's it's all affecting like the you know what you can sell it for, what you need to put into it, that sort of thing. So layout's kind of tricky. Does the permit th- permitting thing come into play as well for layout, or or, or uh, no, not so well. much I mean, in your area? Kind of sucks to deal with permits, but uh, uh, I mean you, you got to do what you got to do and. Um, yeah been a, more of a hassle recently but it's still it's all the numbers you know um, yeah. if i have to deal with permits i don't make 30k but i make 25k like i think that's still a good deal and i would yeah that happen every day awesome so talk let's talk about like your 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 team because uh, you know sure. i i think it's important one i can see why you went into this uh definitely uh you said a keyword earlier it's just you know mark the demand obviously there's the demand there mm-hmm. uh and and the reason i say that is it's not I will actually, I want to connect the dots and see if, you know, do what you're passionate about versus doing what is actually a need in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're always going to need some form of real estate, right? Yes. We're going to need to stay under the roof. Uh, we're going to need a place to stay. Uh, people are always going to be looking for deals. Uh, people are looking for renovations, That whatever the case might be. So for you, uh, earlier when we started to, you know, the show we talked about you know kind of a kind of a lifestyle business i know you like you've traveled to over 38 countries that's huge um how are you able to do this is this something that you're doing in simultaneously uh because business doesn't stop is this something that you're taking some time to do is this something that you did prior can you tell us a little bit about that because again the reason why we do this is to make sure that the experiments that we do are actually enjoying them as well so Mm-hmm. How, how, how did that come into your your world um yeah so kind of all of the above uh with corona i've kind of slowed it down realistically because i can't go to a lot of places and it's kind of a hassle so i have to quarantine you know for 10 days there and then 10 days when i get back and you now it's like at least a month and i have to set aside um but it's kind of all of the above so i also got you know started traveling when i was younger also have been doing it with the real estate what's what's interesting about like the fix and flip model is it's like a flurry of activity and then it's like, it's like nothing. And it's like a flurry of activity and then it's like nothing. So it's like, okay, we got this great deal. Okay, we got to sign paperwork. We're going to do an inspection. We got to, you know, run the numbers. And it's like, okay, well now we have, you know, a month to close and like, there's nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then suddenly it's closing. They're like, okay, now we got to get the utilities on. Now we got to get property insurance. Now we got to get, you know, take care of all these things. And it's like, okay. So during those like in-between times that you can take a vacation and I've also done a vacation, like, okay, well, one of these big projects finally closed, you know, take a little break and then uh, get back into it. Uh, so that's, that's kind of been the, the thing here. Um, just the only thing is just recently it's been uh, just slower, but yeah, I've gone to quite a few, quite a few places. We did like a, we did like Thailand, Myanmar, we did a bit of Europe, did South America. Uh, I haven't done Antarctica. That's probably the next one. On the really? What's the thing that's uh, a place that sticks out at you as to like, wow, like I wouldn't have expected it to be like this. Oh, um, yeah. What was really cool, because I mentioned the Myanmar, um, I don't know if you can go there now. I think they have some unrest, if I'm not mistaken, but mm. uh, I don't keep up to date on their politics. But it was really cool. We went, I think, like five years ago, and uh, it was really untouched. So if you go to a lot of places now, yeah. um, like you'll, they'll, they'll be like a Taco Bell and like a McDonald's, and like there's <laughs> a lot of tourists. Um, so they, you kind of get that uh cultural mishmash if you, you yeah, want to think yeah, of it that sure, way but sure. what was cool about Myanmar is like it was mostly untouched so it was like okay I get to experience like this real this real culture this real place 
and like a lot of it's untouched and they still have their own traditions and and that sort of thing so that was really cool to experience that I don't know how it is now I think they've slowly been opening up but um, what was also cool was um, like they, had, they didn't have a lot of tourists so you would say see the same people so it was like let's say there's like 50 people Okay. Um, like 50 tourists like you'd see them in each different city and like oh hey how are you doing ran into you, again. That's so <laughs> you guys funny. again uh, oh you don't God. see that a lot like if you go to hawaii or something like that like you'll you'll miss you'll never see someone again because they have you know thousands yeah of tourists i don't even know that i know where that is Myanmar? where is that don't help me out here i might have yeah. to so it's this around and share my asia. screen where is it southeast asia so kind of near cambodia thailand oh, Vietnam, okay okay the south yeah. of China, if you want to think of it like that jeez that's yeah. see thailand's been on my list for a minute man yeah. i'm trying to go before the madness i have a good uh business friend and, and a partner and that's you know he was out there for a while and i mean there's there's tons tons of places i definitely want to do eurasia uh, a yeah. little more yeah what's what's definitely interesting i think thailand's a great start because a lot of like the asian culture like it's so different from what we're used to yeah uh, so i think uh, thailand is a great like a middle ground like you get into that, you kind of dip, dip your toe in the water, and mm. then you can go to like um, different, different cultures, you know, because it is, yeah. you know, it's different. They just have a different way of life. So yeah, gotta gotta get. Used to you must be so cultured, man. That's that's a <laughs> what I do like about no, I I mean it. I mean you know being able to see, you know, you talk about awareness in the beginning of our show, and 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 being aware and having exposure to different cultures is. Uh, just being a little bit more, you know, seeing um, and then seeing the world in a different lens. I think that's really important uh, and it's enlightening. Um, but going back, man. So, Victor, so you're doing this and, you know, you're, if, when you're, you're talking about doing 20 to 30, you know, flips a year and you talk about kind of like there's some quiet periods. Um, is it how do you how are you combining the projects do you have like one team or multiple contractors working on multiple projects at the same time i know you're in games oh, right. so that's your market so how does how does that look like yeah so you did ask me that so uh in terms of team in terms of like let's call it permanent team so yeah. for the flipping it's a me i have a project manager and then i have like an assistant that, that's pretty much it we use a lot of subcontractors as soon as we like someone and they do a good job, let's say we have a good painter, like we try to use them as much as possible on all the projects, yeah. like a good flooring person, like use them as much as possible on all the projects. So yeah. that makes life a lot easier, you know, so they could, you know, fill up their schedule with a lot of our stuff. So there's a lot more like inherent loyalty there, which is, which is good. And it helps them out. They're not the chase, chase jobs. I was yeah. talking to a contractor recently. He's like, Hey, I need to make, I need to do, I think he said like 20 roof quotes to get one or something like that. So they're running around a lot. Jeez. I think that was his numbers. Yeah. But they're running around a lot to get one deal or to get one job. But with you, it's like, it's, you know, it's nice and consistent. It's, it's, it's oh, there. Yeah. People love that. Contractors yeah. love that. That's, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. If you can give them, give them more work, that's always mm -hmm. beneficial sometimes even than trying to having to, you know, cause that energy and time and everything yes. is, is what, yeah, wears them out. So as far as the, um, that's a very lean team. I like that. Yeah. That's that's leaner than I expected. Um, that's really neat. So I guess from a sourcing, is it where do you source your deals from? Like how, how are though how are those you know, coming to the pipeline? Do you have like people out there? What do they call them? I feel like there used to be a name for them. Something dog. This used to be bird dog. Yeah, bird dogs. Uh, they kind of now. I think they call yeah. it a wholesaler. So I get about half my deals from wholesalers, and then yeah. half I source on my own. 
And wholesalers is kind of like the bird dog, like they find you deals yeah. and then you basically pay them to, to find you deals, uh, which is yeah. basically what I was doing. You know, I was a wholesaler essentially. Oh yeah, for sure. So interesting. Do you have any uh, closer ties with some wholesalers that you're like their, their go-to or do you feel that you have to keep a very broad spectrum when it comes to wholesale deals? Um, when it comes to the wholesale, interesting enough, when I got started in 2018, there's like one, maybe two, like maybe like say one and a half in the area. And now there's like 20. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, like the, the original folks, those are the ones who are still getting consistent deals and I get consistent deals from them. But um, yeah, so that, that's kind of how I look at that. But a lot of the newer folks, like they're, I think a lot of folks have gotten like sold into like the wholesaling dream. They're like, oh, you know, you can make money on the beach and it's super easy and no money, no credit, no experience. And they kind of get oversold into this type of thing. And, um, you know, they, they kind of believe that. So then they just lock up a property and they lock it up for way too high. And then like, you kind of, you got to talk the seller back to reality. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I need to be at 60. Oh, but someone gave me a hundred. Well, or they offered you a hundred, but they weren't able to close on it. Cause it was, it's way too much. Um, so I think that's, that's part of it. I don't know where that rant was going, but uh, no, no, no. We, we talked about, now. you know, we talked about sourcing and one thing you talked about life on the beach. Can we have that? You're ha- you've had it. What, what do you need to have that life on the beach? Cause I also think it's, um, miss it's not misleading like you can do it but people yeah. i think sometimes are, are are advertising that oh there's no such thing no there is such a thing so what does it look like to to have that okay completely hands-off life on the beach especially in your world when you talk about if i want to become a flipper is it doable how does it look like yeah i, I wouldn't say it's uh completely hands-off i mean you can very much minimize like how much time you put into it so if I were to just do the flipping, so, okay, let's talk about like income goals first. So yeah. if you want to hit six figures flipping houses, basically three or four flips per year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on average, I make about 30 K per flip. So it's three or four flips per year, which is super doable. And we're talking take home, right? I just yeah. want to be clear for yeah. our listeners. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of gross and then net profit. Net <laughs> this profit. is like net. This is like what you can spend money. This is yeah. the money you can spend. Um, so you need to do three to four flips per year. Um, and then when I was at that level and kind of where I'm at now, I'm less than 10 hours a week doing oh, that, just the you. flipping. Oh. Um, so like once you get everything set up and kind of know what you're doing, then you can just let it run. Um, so 10 hours, you know, a week. And I think that's doable to, you know, to do that on the beach, you know, yeah. and I would say like, it still helps to be boots on the ground or to have someone boots on the ground, but, um, that's, that's pretty much what it's broken down into and three to four a year. That's, you know, one a quarter. You know, so it's finding a new deal every couple months. Uh, so super doable, super super doable. How do you uh, structure the uh, the uh, partner, the the team, like your project manager? Is that like a percentage? Is that like a mm-hmm. salary? Is that like a you know? How does that look like? Uh, I actually tried a lot of things with that. I used to do for the project manager like an hourly, and it was twenty bucks an hour, and then that was really hard to first keep track of because like, okay, can you go and take pictures of this place? And like, for me, it would take maybe 20 minutes. And then she said, oh, it took me an hour. It's like, okay, well, you know, should I beat her up on that? Or should I just leave it as is? That was part of it. And the other thing was like, okay, when I'm dealing with contractors and they text me and I text them back, like, how much time is that? Is that a minute? Is that five minutes? Is that 30 minutes? So the hourly never really worked for me. Um, There's just like a lot of things that I just got paranoid. Like, oh, is she really doing the work? And all that stuff like so okay so the hourly didn't work so then i switched to a flat fee 
So I just do 2000, you know, a thousand up front, a thousand when it's done. Um, and that's been working out because then if she spends a mm-hmm. hundred hours doing it, you know, that's on her. If she spends one hour and she gets it, you know, put together with, with minimal effort, then that's, that's good too. Uh, How'd so you come up with 2000? I don't know. I think we just talked about it and just that number yeah. makes sense. Because well, you're a numbers guy. That's why I asked you. And you're yeah. an engineer. So I was like, there's yeah. got to be, it must have been calculated. Like, I, I'm curious. I'm just curious as to why that 2000 made sense and not 3000 or four or one. You know yeah, what I mean? I like, know. I'm just curious. I actually don't know. I have no clue. I don't know where that number came from, but it just made a lot of sense. Maybe I heard it from someone else and they were doing that. Yeah. Um, well, this is what, this is what we do this, right? Because we're like, okay, well, uh, either Victor said he does 2000 for X reason or Victor did 2000 and I'll try 2000 and see if it works for me. And if it doesn't adjust, of course, correct. Right. right. Um, well, what would you say? I'm sorry. You were going to ask him. I was going to say, it seems to be working the 2000. I think that's a fair, you know, fair yeah. price. And um, yeah, I haven't had any complaints. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Spe- speaking of course correction, what's your biggest course correction that you've had in your business and your time? Um, you know, going through the experiments, going through the journey, uh, is there one that comes to mind that like hindsight, you're like, oh, okay, I'm glad I pivoted and I started doing this differently. Oh, there's a lot, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Let's go macro and micro. So ma- at okay. a macro let's, level. Let's do, yeah, let's do macro micro. So macro, I should have gotten started earlier. Um, I had a mentor oh, who said like five, six years ago, like, hey, you should get into this real estate. You should, because he made money flipping and then he went to the next thing, next thing. Yeah. Hey, you should get into real estate. I, I didn't listen. I did some other stuff. And then um, I got started two and a half years ago, like the full time, like I guess two, two three years ago. Um, if you look at it from the exponential thing, because when you run these experiences to use your language, like it's not linear. It's not like, okay, the first month I'll make X and the second month I'll make two X. It's like, it is exponential. So it grows up. Compound effect. Yes. Compound. Exactly. So for me, it was, I did two flips the first year, eight, the next year, 20 last year, then 30 is this year's the goal. So it grows like that. So if I started, you know, five, six years ago, I might be at like, I don't know, 40 or 50 a year. Um, So that's probably the micro let's talk about. So that's micro um math no that's macro what did i say yeah that's what you said that this is macro where we're saying exponential growth getting started early now micro kind of going going into the details a little bit like what's what is there a thing like man we should have been using this system man i should have just again one of them i think at a micro level was the 2000 up front because you're you know you had the headache of like you know how much time is it really then if i'm the project manager i'm rounding up because i'm like there's no way i'm gonna get paid five dollars for this like i'm rounding up to an hour right so it seems that you figure that out what are some other blind spots that someone listening might might that you might be able to call out for them going into this if they're either thinking of doing them themselves or partnering out with someone else what are some micro kind of course corrections that you Mm -hmm. feel were uh very uh monumental for for kind of where you are right now in this journey sure so for the micro i I would call micro like i was i was doing the flips Mm -hmm. and then during that time, I was like, let me also do some Burr deals. So Burr is like buy, rent, and buy, refinance. renovate, rent, refinance. And refinance that's yeah. what a Burr mm-hmm. deal is. Um, and this was this was years ago when I was getting started. Like my credit wasn't too good. So I was going to do it with a partner. And that's what I did. We're going to go 50-50. And you should, I should have like started with the end of mine. Like I should have ran the numbers and like see, okay, if this is our end result, like this is going to be our intended end result. Like, am I going to be happy with that? Um, and I should have ran that because we did like, I think we did like maybe a dozen bird deals. And then we realized, so it was me and a partner 50, 50, 
So I was going to like find the deal, run it, just that typical situation. And like at the end of all this work, like six months work, you know, sourcing a deal, renovating it, you know, renting it out, uh, managing the rent, like all those different things. Like we were making a 300 bucks a month cash flow. So you might say, oh, 300 bucks a month, that's not bad. But then it was two of us, right? 50-50. So I got 150 bucks a month. For all that work. That's if everything, exactly, after all that work. And that's if everything went well. Like what if there's a vacancy? What if something breaks? What if, you know, someone's late? Uh, So that was if everything went well, 150 bucks. Uh, So we basically stopped doing the burrs. So there's nothing wrong with burrs. I recommend like you, you do the burrs on your own uh, because 300 a month on your own changes the, you know, kind of change it in your favor. Um, so that was, that was pretty much it. So I wish I, you know, wish I didn't do that, but yeah. again, it's, it's part of the learning process, but just thinking through it in entirety, you're like, Hey, am I going to have be happy with this after four months of work? Blank, blank, blank. Um, yeah. Make sure it's a fit. Starting with the end in mind is, is so hard for people sometimes. And, or if you just don't think about it, because this is a very different way of thinking, right? I think of a book here that your next five moves by Patrick Bed David talks to, about I don't, have you heard of it i haven't no i've heard of the guy yeah patrick but was a good guy he's been obviously a savvy entrepreneur but you know you start for us to start thinking like a chess players right mm-hmm. uh not it's not checkers you gotta be right. 12 moves ahead yeah. um and had you done that uh you would have been able to see that this is not you know feasible sustainable etc um but because you're in the lab i got you know i i'm looking at um, our time here and, and I got to respect it, but you came in here and dropped a lot of gems, but I got to ask you this. Um, did you spend some time in the short-term rental space as well? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. We did a little bit of that. Um, why, 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 why did you step away? I'm just curious. I gotta, you gotta let us know. Cause we, we have a lot of that in the lab. I'm curious. What yeah. Went, I don't think what, what there's, right? there's nothing wrong with short-term rentals. Um, you just got to realize like what all your costs are. And we didn't know that going into it. So we kind of under budgeted, especially furniture. Like I was surprised how much furniture costs. Um, I was pleasantly surprised or not pleasantly, but I was surprised. You were very unpleasantly surprised. So we didn't like bake that into our numbers, didn't have money for it. I'm open to doing short-term rentals in the future, but um, it was just one of those things like we we budgeted X and it was like X, like we were, we were going to get like professionally staged and like professional furniture in there. And that's going to be like 13 grand. Um, I'm sure you can do it cheaper. You can probably get like for five grand to 13 grand. This is like a five bedroom place. Yeah. Um, but it was just right. one of those things we didn't budget for. So it kind of messed yeah. us up. And we just realized like, let's just flip this thing. And like, they'll just continue doing the flips. Um, but there's nothing yeah. wrong with short-term rentals. I mean, I have a lot of respect for it. Uh, yeah. The biggest thing I'd say with my limited experience, and you probably know more about this. It's, I mean, location is probably number one. Like mm. you gotta have a good spot. Yeah. Um, like a really, yeah. really good spot. To- yeah. You, you do your, your research. I mean, kind of like anything else, any, anything that you do in real estate with the end in mind and where uh up front you do it first you don't yeah. take the property and then the numbers you actually pick the location first and then one thing that's interesting is actually we buy ours uh furnished <laughs> so oh uh, we, yeah 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 we like we just close on one where there's like four flat screens furnished everything wow. yeah I, I i filter people don't filter here's a little gem for you guys you guys know this if you listen to my episode 92 with michael actually no i don't i didn't tell about this with michael shogun michael shogun was giving us the game but i've been preaching about it um you can filter for furnished homes uh if yeah. you have a realtor or whatever uh i have my license so i used to filter for myself uh and uh, we found several one we had to back out on it had everything uh, because of the uh, it was a 
in the flood zone, but it was fully furnished uh-huh. technology. It was like all, everything we like, even the automate, like the door, the the literally the uh, the keypads and everything were already pre-installed. We just changed the change the uh, the account, so wow. it was literally turnkey. That's what we do. Yeah. Um, or but yeah, or you got to factor it in. But it's interesting that I I, I just wanted to understand what it was, and that that's exactly what it is. You got to look at the numbers up front, and make sure it makes sense. Um, but that's awesome, man. So look, you gave us, you came here, you give us game. Uh, you, what I liked about um, you, Victor, is that you know obviously you went through the the kind of transition as to what most people are going into uh, as they're going through their journey. And I like that you kind of you're n- narrowed in and 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 so narrowed in on flipping, um, you know, properties and homes, and that you've really niched in that and you're really good in it. And now you're refining, and that's the way you're able to find the exponential growth. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if we diversify a little bit too much before we've gained that we've built that moat. Uh, we don't really get anywhere. So now that you've done that, you're actually also starting to help others with the six-figure house yeah. flipper, uh, which you told us three homes. That's interesting, three to four homes. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about, to our listeners, a little bit about what that is like, what it is that you're bringing to the table for uh, these six-figure uh, flippers, uh, members uh, that you're kind of helping coach? Yeah, sure. So I, I flip houses myself. I also mentor people nationwide how to flip houses. So I flip houses mostly locally here in Gainesville. Uh, but then I, you know, I can help people if you're in New York or if you're in Texas or you know, Kentucky, I can help you out. And I mean, we're not competitive. So it's, that's pretty, pretty nice to have that sort of help. Uh, I help people like how do you get the money? How do you get the deals? You know, how do you get your first deal and then the six figures? Uh, so I help every step of the way A to Z. It's kind of like a hands-on mentorship if you want to think of it that way. Absolutely. And um, that's pretty much it. Um, so we're just to help folks. It's really, it's really fun. Uh, like for me to do, let's say I don't do th- 30 flips, but 31 flips, like that's cool. That's awesome. But for t- to help someone go from zero to one, like that's really changing their life and that's changing them uh, for the better. Cause then they can, you know, do more deals and they can, you know, add that money to their bank account, all that good stuff. Um, yeah. So it's really cool to like give back and really help other people out. Yeah, and I'm sure it's a, it is fulfilling too. Right? You get to a point where you've done it yourself, and you're like, man, like, you know, the conversation that I have about like short term rentals with people, I'm like, dude, you got to look at these numbers. It's yeah. uh, because you want to share and you want to win with others. So, mm-hmm. uh, where can we find out more about, you know, if someone's listening, they want to join Six Figure House Flipper? Uh, the the Is it a mastermind? Is that what it is? Um, so, I have a coaching? free Facebook group. Yeah, no, no. Okay, no. cool. So it's a free Facebook group. Uh, so if you guys want to join, if you look up Six Figure House Flipper, you know, I'm there. Or if you want to look up my name, too, um, you'll be able to find it that way. Um, just, you know, Victor Yurichek. And that's that's pretty much it. And then, you know, folks, there's a lot of great, great tips and resources. And I do, like, deal breakdowns. Like, hey, this is a deal I bought. This is how much I made. You know, break down everything. And um, just everything I use is, you know, is accessible for folks there. Absolutely. If you're driving, keep your hands on the wheel. We'll include that in the show notes for sure. Behave. But you today listen to uh, Victor Urich, who was uh, really Urichek, excuse me. Uh, I was thinking of like, uh, not like Pete Maravich or something. Uh, that's, you know, the player? I don't know. No, that's like Pistol Pete is what they used to call him. So oh. that's why I butchered that. So Urichek, Victor Urichek. And you guys want to make sure you check out the Six Figure House Flipper um, Facebook uh, group uh, where you'll tap into what the, you know, the incredible experiments he's doing in the flipping space. And I really appreciate you coming in and giving us the game and uh, being able to also, you know, share with us your story, man, of, of how you got there. I think it's really important for people to see people like, 
you know, they feel it can be like them, you know, you're 27, you're young, you're crushing it. And you started and you even told us you wish you would have started earlier. So don't hold back, start now, follow the experiment. And just like that, Victor, I want to thank you for coming in here. And just like that, we are out. If you're a real estate professional, a real estate agent, a real estate investor, a lender, a multifamily syndicator, a contractor, you name it, and you're looking to grow your online presence, but you have no idea how to get started or simply don't have the time, at Invested Talent, we help real estate professionals extend their current business to social media. Why is this important? Without this, you wouldn't be listening to this show and your own host, Ruben Kanya, and his team would not have done deals they've done today. As a matter of fact, Social media has helped us keep this show together, which now exceeds a billion dollars worth of real estate from our guests collectively. That's right. Our reputation, opportunities, partnerships, and most importantly, real estate transactions were started directly from social media. If you're a real estate professional and you lack an existence on a media platform, Invested Talent can help. Simply go to investedtalent.com forward slash social media and make sure you click the get in touch button to get in touch with our team. Again, that's investedtalent.com forward slash social media and get in touch with our team. You focus on being the brand and we'll help you build it. Now, if you know anything about the lab, you know that we like to give practical advice. So if you feel that this podcast was of any value to you, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes by going directly to the podcast app. From the show's page, scroll all the way down and leave us a review. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe by clicking the subscribe button and leave us a comment. Lastly, and most importantly, share this episode with a friend you feel will benefit this episode the most. Remember, There's a you and I in build. Let's build, y'all.